are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock, your host, back again on this Tuesday edition. Uh, we're still riding high from the 5-0 49ers. Such a great start to the season. So I wonder if that means I'll have a ton of mailbag questions or if the questions start thinning out because there's less to worry about for 49ers fans. And as I look at um, the Twitter reaction and emails, I think winning has created more questions about the team. So very interesting there. And we will, it's so crazy how much different the season is going right now than it was a year ago at this time for the 49ers. So got a ton of questions to get to. Definitely won't be able to get to all of these, but uh, big ups to everybody who has been involved in the mailbags. And I'll try to get to as many as possible. And we'll hit some with Nick on Thursday as well. And then tomorrow we're going to do a little crossover looking ahead at this game in Washington for the 49ers in week seven. As always, the best place to get a hold of me is on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can also email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All of your favorite podcast apps have this show and all of the programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And that includes Locked On NFL, which I also co-host alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. We get into a league-wide conversation. But here we're talking 49ers, and let's just get rolling on today's mailbag. Lots of praise for 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Saul in the last week or so, and gotten a lot of questions about him. There's a couple here. One, this is from Cassandra. She says... Uh, do you think we'll lose Sala after this season with a heartbreak emoji? And North LD Niner says, I'm still skeptical of Sala's hype. To me, it's more about the addition of elite defensive ends along with uh, Joe Woods and Kusarek getting their position groups playing at an elite level. Can you explain why all of a sudden he's a head coach candidate outside of now being the defensive coordinator of a top-ranked defense? Uh, yeah, there's something to that, and thank you for the questions, both of you guys. I, I think he deserves some credit because he's in charge of that defense. He's still calling the plays. It's still his scheme. The fact that he allowed a different... Uh, so the fact that he was flexible within his scheme to realize he needed to change some things up and maybe do more too high safety instead of all single high looks and all cover three all the time and maybe bring in a defensive line coach that wanted to do a little bit more wide nine stuff and could teach that scheme because he saw something that needed to change there. So I think that's a great sign for someone that is potentially looked at as a future head coach, recognizing problems and then fixing those problems. But there's a lot to it because I think Kasurik has helped. I think Joe Woods has immensely helped in the secondary. We've seen very few breakdowns in the secondary this year, and that was the biggest problem with those guys. It wasn't even so much that they were just getting torched as far as athletically not being able to hang out. They just didn't know what they were doing half the time, it seemed like. And then you can't you can't overstate how important it is to have that outside pass rush. And I've talked about that a lot on this show, how the defense was non-functional without the outside rushers. 
and bringing in the two best possible guys really that they could get this offseason in D Ford and Nick Bosa has helped immensely and it's helped everybody else. It's helped everybody else on the defensive line. It's helped the linebackers. It's helped the secondary. They also brought in Quan Alexander, who's brought a, a lot to that defense as well. The development of Fred Warner continues. They're just really good everywhere on defense right now. And so when you have the bullets, it makes you look like a lot better coach. And there were times when people were calling for his job and not thought maybe he was on the hot seat and he fixed those problems. So props to Robert Sala. He deserves some credit. Props to Kyle Shanahan for recognizing the things and helping them change those position coaches and get things right there. And props to John Lynch. So props to everybody. I think it's it's not just Robert Sala that should get all this credit. It should be on the players. It should be on the other coaches as well. But they got it right, and that's what's key. And I talked about it Monday. Robert Sala is, and I think it was, was it Sports Illustrated was the article that, I can't remember who wrote the article about some head coaches that are getting some looks and that might be getting interviews this coming off season. There's 12 or 13 players on the or coaches on the list and Robert Sala was one of those guys. And you hear the way he talks in press conferences and I really have a feeling that he'll do really well in those interviews. So I wouldn't be shocked at all at some point if Robert Sala is a head coach. I think it's a little bit too early. Start having a good defense one year and all of a sudden, you know, people go crazy, but the NFL's nuts like that. Like, strike when the iron is hot. So if Robert Sala gets those interviews, he should take them. And if he can get a job, then he should take a job. But I think I would hold off if I was a team looking to hire a guy as far as Robert Sala goes. You know, interview him maybe, but wait a couple years. You know, you got plenty of time in your coaching career. We're just seeing Vic Fangio, who's been an awesome defensive coordinator for a long time, finally getting his shot this year to be a head coach. So sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes you have to learn some lessons as a coach. So who knows if he'll get a job like that? Who knows if the 49ers will lose him to answer both of your questions? Yes, there's other people, not just Sala, that deserve some credit, but Robert Sala does deserve some credit as well. And maybe the most credit out of all those people I mentioned. But man, having those defensive ends is key. And I think personnel wise, you just can't fake that. And now the 49ers have the personnel and that's been massive. And then as far as if I think we'll lose him, I think, no, I think maybe we're still one year away from Robert Sala actually getting a head coaching job, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did interview for some, which is sort of the first step in, in how some of these things work. Unless the 49ers just go on this crazy run and we, they have some generational defense, and teams are just like, we got to hire this guy because of how great the 49ers defense is playing this season at an all-time level. Let's go get this guy. And, and he blows people away in interviews. It's a possibility, but no, I don't think he'll get a job as a head coach this year. And then to answer the next obvious question, if Robert Sala did get hired somewhere else as a head coach, I think the obvious person would be Joe Woods that would jump into a defensive coordinator role, and I'd be 100% behind that move. And I honestly think right now with the personnel, with what's in place with the defense, and I think the 49ers wouldn't take a huge step back. And I like Robert Sala. I, I think the 49ers would be just fine if Robert Sala did get hired as a head coach. You plug in Joe Woods as the defensive coordinator. They've got the scheme humming right now. They've got the players that they need on defense to run things the way they want. I think the 49ers would be okay. John wants to know what happens when Akella Witherspoon comes back. Do they kick him inside to cover the slot? Because E-Man has been playing out of his mind 
on the outside. No, John, I think it just goes right back to where things were. Akello is the starter again. They know more about Emmanuel Mosley now. They know they can trust him. Maybe he'll get in and, and work in a little bit more often, and he'll definitely be part of the rotation anyways. Uh, but you know that Mosley can play outside. You know he can play the slot. I love the pass breakup on the tight end, Monday Night Football, in the end zone. Just such a great play he made, and that was a little bit more of an, of an inside play there taking on a tight end. So I like the versatility from Emmanuel Mosley. Weatherspoon earned the spot. He's your starter on the outside. E-Man can back up a couple of spots, and you just know that you have that depth now, which I think is the biggest thing. And you don't have to worry about rushing Akella Witherspoon back, you know, and, and you don't want him to get hurt more because, oh, we got to get him out there, push him a little too soon. He's out there a week early, hurts himself more. You don't have to worry about doing any of that stuff. When he's ready, plug him back in there, and now you know you've got depth at the cornerback position, and it really makes you feel better about the continued injuries for Jason Verrett, who's the guy you would hoped would be the Mosley and fill that position as the super backup type of a player or even a starter for the 49ers. Now Mosley's that guy. If Sherman goes down and he's deemed up a little bit, and he had the uh, the stinger last week, Mosley's proven he's your third starting caliber corner, which is a massive thing for him to have developed into right now in his second year as an undrafted player. But no, Akella Witherspoon's the starter when he comes back. This podcast is brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes. The secret to lasting longer in the bedroom. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Do you want to be free and put these tax problems behind you? Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping their clients resolve their tax issues and to get them all the deductions and credits they're entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871. Call or text to set up an appointment, and if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Find them online at gregstaxservice.com. Let's check in on another common topic here in the mailbag, and this is from an email from Wayne. He says, Hey, Brian, hope you and Leo are doing well. Thank you very much, Wayne. I appreciate that. Something has to be done about this receiver core. We need to make a trade for a number one receiver. This team is too good to have this as an Achilles heel. I don't want to bring up bad memories. Look what happened in the 2011 NFC Championship. One catch from a receiver that hampered the offense. This needs to get fixed. Wayne, I understand how you feel and why you feel that way. It just has to make sense. It has to be, you're already, you're 5-0. and The 49ers are 5-0 and without getting a ton of production from their wide receivers. And here's the other thing is they have some talented young wide receivers that could c- continue to get better. 
Debo Samuel, uh, Dante Pettis. I, I like what I've seen from Dante Pettis, Pettis the last couple weeks. Going up to get some balls against the Rams. He wasn't heavily targeted. And that's part of it. He, they, they haven't been targeted a lot either. So I think Kyle Shanahan purposely is, is trying not to throw too much at the wide receivers, not asking them to do a ton, not asking Jimmy Garoppolo to do a ton as far as slinging the ball down the field and getting it outside the numbers a lot and, and pushing it down the field. He hasn't had to which is great. The 49ers are 5-0 and and, and haven't been, you know, lighting up the scoreboard and chucking it all over the place in that manner, even though their offense is ranked among the top offenses in the league. It's because of the running game, because the defense continually gives the ball back to the offense, and they have so many more drives than they've had the last couple of years on offense. But Dante Pettis, and I love what Marquise Goodwin brings to the field. He's a veteran presence for you there, and you know, we can blow past anybody, so teams have to be prepared for that kind of thing. Debo Samuel thinks going to be very good in this league. Are they true number one types right now? No. But how much would it cost to get one of those guys is the question. I look at A.J. Green, and he would seem to be the one that, that shouldn't cost a crazy amount because he'd be a rental player because he's going to be a free agent coming up. But I don't know if the Bengals are the, the type of team to sell off a bunch of pieces. Emmanuel Sanders just got hurt. He was a name that was out there. Uh, I don't know what the extent of his injury was, but I know he left the game Sunday for the Broncos. He's not a crazy massive upgrade, even though he's a better player right now than the guys we mentioned. But ideally, I think the 49ers are hoping that Debo and Pettis can be that type of player, at least that good, maybe better than someone like Emmanuel Sanders. I've seen some new... uh, Odell Beckham? Is Odell Beckham on the trade block? Where'd this come from? I I haven't seen this from... Uh, any sort of big organization or big, I don't know if this is a fan started rumor or something, but I've gotten multiple questions about Odell Beckham. I have no idea that he would be available. And the 49ers were interested in him before. It was before they, they, uh, before they drafted Debo though. So I don't, you're talking multiple, you know, first round pick plus, you know, the same, if I don't know. If if you get a discount, if you if he costs you a lot less than he costs the Browns in the offseason, that kind of a thing for Odell Beckham, sure. I mean, go for it. So it's all about cost to me. If you can get a big time receiver, I think AJ Green's the name I'll keep bringing up because he makes the most sense and he's seems to be the guy who should be available for a really bad Bengals team that's not going anywhere. And he would be an upgrade for the 49ers. It would be nice to have that type of player. He would have to be healthy first, prove that he would be worth trading for health-wise. But I just, I don't know, I just don't see it happening. I think the 49ers are going to roll with what they've got unless they can get a really good deal on a trade and hope the development of Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis is enough. Getting Trent Taylor back and potentially in eight weeks, getting or seven weeks now, getting back Jalen Hurd. I think right now that's what the 49ers are going to lean on. And the last few weeks, they've had an opportunity. They had a bye week in there. They didn't trade for an offensive tackle. They didn't trade for a cornerback. And they've not traded for a wide receiver. So I think that tells you all you need to know about how John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan feel about this team right now. They're not going to go crazy. They're not going to overpay for somebody. They're going to stand pat. And why wouldn't they when you're 5-0 and with your current roster? They don't need necessarily to upgrade right now to keep winning some games. Now, you might think, okay, do you really, really, really want to go over the top? And they've had the guts to make trades in the past. And we still have a few more weeks before that trade deadline hits. 
I wouldn't be completely shocked if they made a move, but right now it just does not seem like it's in the cards for the 49ers. But we'll see. Maybe they can get some sort of a, a nice sweetheart of a deal and add a receiver or, or add another player to the mix, which, which could help, which could help the 49ers make a run, and they should be serious right now about making a run. Let's go to Renee on Twitter. He says, since Atlanta is spiraling down in flames, do you think the 49ers make a call to see if they can get one of Shanahan's former players before the deadline? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think maybe Mohamed Sanu. I've seen his name out there thrown out by fans as as a player that's a former Shanahan guy, maybe wide receiver that could be added that doesn't cost a ton of money, that's not going to screw up your salary structure or, you know, that wouldn't cost a ton in trade, I wouldn't think, to get someone like Mohamed Sanu in, in-house. And he could basically be the veteran version of what you're hoping uh, Debo Samuel could be, or maybe a less explosive version because Mohamed Sanu, you know, he's a pretty good runner after the catch because he's a very physical guy. You're Anquan Bolden type of receiver, but he's not you know dynamic as a runner or, or getting downfield or anything, but he's a big, tough guy. and um, I thought he might even be able to be a safety in the league coming out of college because of how physical he plays. I do like Mohamed Sanu a lot. A lot. Um, you know, maybe an offensive lineman. Who knows? Maybe uh, some depth at some different positions. I could see Atlanta being a team that the 49ers could call. And maybe, you know, there's scheme similarities on defense as well. And by the way, speaking of scheme, let's say Robert Sala does get hired in the offseason. Maybe Dan Quinn gets canned. He's from that Seattle lineage, maybe he could come in and be a defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and really they wouldn't have to shake up too much scheme-wise in that case. So that's a, a, an interesting wrinkle to think about there with some uh, off-season coaching moves. But yeah, it's a possibility. I, I would assume that that's one of the first teams actually the 49ers call. You know, Broncos, some teams that they have some ties to that they could try to see if they could get something done if the 49ers were trying to swing some moves. Let's go to my guy Kruger on Twitter. He says, will you follow up with the Chiefs guys who on the preseason pod said they were pleased to be rid of D Ford and instead have Frank Clark? Niners gain has been quite missed in Kansas City. Now, that's a good point because D Ford was one of the highest ranked edge rushers last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, he was a stud for the four, or for the Chiefs in 2018 had been banged up for a couple seasons before. Maybe, you know, that was sort of a headache for the team and and for people watching the Chiefs and frustrated by, you know, his constant injuries that maybe they didn't see the value in what he could do as a pass rusher. They were changing schemes there from a 3-4 to a 4-3, but he's fit in just fine with the 49ers 4-3 in San Francisco. And even as with that knee and, and quad injury that he's dealing with right now, being a part-time player and, and almost like a situational pass rusher, he's been phenomenal. And again, grading out huge for pro football focus. If you needed that confirmation and just watching him play wasn't enough for you, D. Ford's playing fantastically well for the 49ers and better, by the way, than Frank Clark has been playing. And, and Frank Clark's a really good player, but they paid a first-round price to get Clark in and took a second-rounder to get rid of D. Ford. I don't know if that's a great trade, especially with some you know off-field questions there with Clark. I don't know if they would completely take that back if I talked to the Chiefs guys again. And uh, those guys are good, but yeah, I think they might have been underselling D. Ford maybe because... And maybe it's just us watching the 49ers without a pass rush for so long, seeing a dynamic player like D. Ford that can beat tackles and consistently and get to the quarterback. Maybe that's just like, oh, man, yeah, that's what it's like to have a pass rush. Okay, I'm with you, though, Kruger. 
Thank you very much, Chiefs, for D Ford. Okay, we got a lot more questions to get to. We'll see how many I can attack here in segment number three, including one about Jimmy Garoppolo. This episode is brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. Honest and straightforward, Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for 25 years. They can help with any number of tax problems, including unfiled returns, back taxes, IRS collection, and audit representation. Find out more at gregstaxservice.com. It's a Locked On 49ers mailbag. Let's keep it rolling with Steven. Says we're already getting the system QB narratives. What do you think? Is Mason Rudolph just as successful with the early 2019 Niners as Jimmy G? Yeah, and this is a callback to, I think it was Frank Clark, who is a former Steeler and now works for ESPN. He said, yeah, here it is. Here's his tweet. He said, I'm 100% convinced that the 49ers are a good football team. I'm also 100% convinced that they'd be just as good if Mason Rudolph was their quarterback, maybe even better. (laughs) And uh, I don't know what Mason Rudolph has done in his, what, two starts. Certainly didn't stand out head-to-head against the 49ers. Um, I don't know what Mason Rudolph has done to make anybody think that he would be a competent NFL starter. Not that he wouldn't be, but just from what he's produced in his three-plus games he's played right now uh, in the NFL. And it's weird because people think Jimmy Garoppolo's playing bad. Completing 70% of his passes, you know, a few too many interceptions, sure. Seven touchdowns to five interceptions. Missed some throws here and there. Not perfect. But dude's winning football games. And he really hasn't been asked to do that much. He hasn't been asked to carry the offense for the 49ers, which I guess is what Ryan Clark's trying to say. Mason Rudolph has thrown in the four games he's appeared in this season. Mason Rudolph threw for 112 yards, 174 yards, 229 yards against the Bengals, and 131 yards. In that 49ers game, just barely over 50% completion. A couple picks and an interception. It's just, and this is not even to badmouth Mason Rudolph, but the narratives are weird right now around Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah, he hasn't. we haven't seen the pinnacle of Garoppolo yet. Is he still developing as an NFL quarterback? Yeah, he still hasn't had that many reps. He still has only appeared in, what, 16 NFL football games. But he's winning for the 49ers. He's only lost two starts as a 49er. Maybe some throws you'd like to have back. It's not perfect. But there's not many quarterbacks out there. There's not many teams out there that have perfect quarterback play going on. So until... Jimmy Garoppolo completely flops or fails or they ask him to put the team on his shoulders because they can't run the ball because their defense is giving up points and the 49ers have to throw from behind and ask Jimmy Garoppolo to go down the field and win a football game for them. I mean, he did it a few times when he showed up in 2017 already for an obviously proven bad football team. We'll see as this playoff run gets a little deeper into the season. Maybe we'll have some different opinions about Jimmy Garoppolo and what he can be, but right now he's still developing, still getting better still needs more reps I think as an NFL quarterback before we even know exactly who he is but he's a fine quarterback he's a quarterback of a 5-0 football team right now and just to say that some dude who's made a couple of starts uh, that hasn't looked great in those starts and his team has not been winning in those starts could just come in and the 49ers would still be 5-0 and potentially better is just a really stupid thing for a talking head on TV to say. Let's check in on Jesse, who wants to know, is it just me or has Greenlaw barely seen the field? Am I missing him? And he's out there, just not making an impact. 
Uh, no, you're not really missing Greenlaw. Greenlaw has not played a lot. I don't have, uh, let me look up the exact snap count numbers, but I know he's been playing some special teams and I'm seeing him on the field on occasion, but the 49ers have been on in nickel defense so often and a lot of teams trying to come from behind on the 49ers so they've jumped out to some early leads that, you know, they're just, there's not three linebackers on the field. So it's all Fred Warner and it's all Quan Alexander and there would be no need to put, really, there would be no re- need to put a rookie like Dre Greenlaw out there on the field if those guys are healthy and with the way that they've been playing because they've been playing fantastic football. But uh, let's see here. Dre Greenlaw has played 103 total snaps, it looks like, on defense. So that's about a third of what, uh, maybe even a little bit more than a third of what Fred Warner and Quan Alexander are playing right now. So uh, yeah, he hasn't seen a ton of snaps on the field. Uh, 67 coverage snaps. 32 snaps defending the run and four pass rush snaps. That's according to Pro Football Focus right now for Dre Greenlaw. Another Garoppolo question. This one asked aggressively by Hollywood Knoll on Twitter in all caps. Is this upcoming Redskins game the coming out party for Jimmy? Does Kyle cook something up for him in this game? Uh, I don't know what Kyle's going to do ever, but it would seem against Washington, this would be the game where the 49ers could have a little bit of fun, um, potentially beat up on a team that they're much better than, maybe not to the extent of the Bengals game in week two, but it could look that way, and you never want to overlook any team in the NFL. But with all the guys out that would help the running game, like the use check and both offensive tackles, and I did like what I saw from the 49ers. They had a lot of two tight end sets out there, but some three wide too. And when they went three wide, more Dante Pettis in the slot, which I really like. So either Debo or Dante in the slot, having them both on the field at the same time with Marquise Goodwin going three wide. I could see the 49ers trying to incorporate some more of that in Washington and maybe light up the scoreboard a little bit. Maybe let Garoppolo have some fun. And this would be a good game to really cut him loose a little bit, get a lot of reps, get a lot of throws in. Uh, because I still think that reps is the key for Jimmy Garoppolo going forward just because he's played so little NFL football in his career, even though he's been around for so long and, and done a lot of homework and been in the playbook and, and he's practiced, but he missed a lot of practice last year with the 49ers too being out. So yeah, why not? Cut him loose. Let him have some fun. Target up those young wide receivers. Pettis, Debo. Let's have some breakout games Sunday. Let's go to Kyle. Why do you think Kyle Shanahan didn't utilize much 21 with Breida and Coleman on the field? He had great success doing it with Freeman and Coleman in Atlanta. Bring on 6-0. Yeah, like I said, I never know what the heck Kyle Shanahan is thinking. I, when I think he's going to do one thing, he tends to do something else, which probably is why he's a good offensive coordinator and uh, why I'm a podcaster. But um, I, I still would like to see Breida and Coleman on the field at the same time. Doesn't seem like Kyle Shanahan wants to go that route, or he hasn't yet, or maybe he's just sort of holding back his bag of tricks until he really needs it. I don't think even if he does show that the dual halfback look, it's not going to be a big part of the offense, so it'll just be more of a wrinkle. But I would like to see it, and I think it would be fun. I just want to see how it would be incorporated if he did throw both Brita and Coleman out on the field a little bit. I'm with you, Kyle. I want to see that just because yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun, nice new look for the 49ers offense. David asks, with our O-line holding up with two backup tackles, at is OT no longer a priority near the top of the next draft? If so, where would it be better invested? 
Uh, I don't know, man. With the winning team 5-0 and right now, I think we're going to have to sort of park some of the draft talk. We're usually, I think last year, we were already starting to get deep into the draft talk here in October and definitely into November and December. But we might have to wait until uh, January, even February to start talking draft this year, which would be very welcome. Uh, but no, there will be a ton of draft talk on this show. I... I, I still think offensive tackle or a swing guy or someone who can play tackle and guard will be a very high priority for the 49ers. But right now, the best thing the 49ers have done personnel-wise is they have really added a ton of depth to the roster to the point where they could literally sit back and say, we're going to take the best player available. Or or maybe even better, long-term, is they can kick back and say, you know, who wants to come up for their guy? Let's take some trades. Let's get back our second rounder that we traded for D Ford and maybe or you know maybe some other picks that they end up trading for some players at the deadline this year. And so they can do a lot more of what they want in the draft now, a lot more flexibility and not really be pinched and do we have to get this position at the very top of the draft. So that's the bonus there. But I still think offensive tackle, I just think offensive line should be a priority. Depth should be a priority. Uh, someone who could play tackle, who could play guard, just because you had some nice fill-ins doesn't mean you should try to get better everywhere. I think cornerback could still be one, maybe free safety. Uh, we'll see where things look at the end of the year. Um, but just continue adding the best player available. That's the ideal place to be in, and the 49ers are on their way in that direction. Well, shoot, looks like we're up against it here time-wise. Um, I will answer this one quick question from Dave via email. He says, who did the Locked On 49ers intro music? Was that you? I heard some singing in the background music yesterday. Can we get the song somewhere? Yes, you can get the song. It's not me. It is a band called The Hot Snakes. The song is called This Mystic Decade. Uh, they're a great band. I even like the band that... Uh, some of these dudes were in before called Drive Like Jehu in the 90s. But that band is called The Hot Snakes. They're fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's a great intro riff. Hope y'all like it too. And I hope y'all like the podcast and join me again tomorrow. We will be doing the Niners Skins crossover. And then Thursday, another weekly wink right here. Locked on 49ers. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.